When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Plenty happening in the world of basketball, and I just couldn't think of anyone better to speak to than our very good friend Cam Luke. Uh, hello to you, mate. Oh, hello, buddy. I, I could probably name about 35, but I appreciate the sentence. I won't hear on. it. I will not hear it. <laughs> I don't want to even know their names. <laughs> it is, uh, it's an exciting time of basketball, both here in Australia and uh, the NBA. And then, of course, we've got the Boomers. It's, it's all going on. There's a lot to talk about. So let's start with the NBL's Night of Nights. Last night, you were there in attendance, and I saw uh, via Instagram, the whole team just looked resplendent. Uh, it was a different setup than what we normally see each year. Yeah, most certainly different this year, which I think a lot of life has changed and governing bodies and awards nights, a lot of them are virtual and that's exactly what the, the gazes were last yes. night, of course. Uh, Jack Everett did an outstanding job as as, uh, as host and, and MC of the night and we were able to get through it and uh, a little bit different than having the traditional being out and about and, and the players being there and and, and so many of the great supporters of the league, but to be able to do it, I think the league did a wonderful job of being able to acknowledge and celebrate so many of the, the wonderful performances that the nine teams and all the players gave us in uh, NBL 21 and what was such a weird, weird season. And uh, it will even be still continuing to be weird as we get towards the grand final, which we'll speak to in a minute, because uh, a bit of a different idea where the first two games will be in the lower-ranked team stadium and then the next three is possible uh, in Melbourne. It, it's just been remarkable. It has. Were you surprised by any of the award winners of last night? I think we were all pretty certain on who the MVP uh, and the Rookie of the Year would be in Bryce Cotton and Josh Giddy. But did any of the other awards surprise you? No, not really. It's uh, it, it went pretty much the script. Bryce Cotton, as you mentioned, was and has been brilliant. And, and the very fact is, he's the most dominant player in the league. He probably had that wrapped up about three weeks in. So there was no doubt that he's the type of player that. Um, makes any league better, not necessarily just the team, which we know he does with the Perth Wildcats, but makes any team better in a situation where, um, sorry, any league better where when people look over here and check the NBL out, it's dominated by a guy who is right on the, you know, the cusp right as one of the best players outside of the NBA, the rookie of the year. As you mentioned Josh Giddy. If you have a look at the, the two all NBL teams, defensive player of the year award was, was interesting because yeah. Justin Simon got it. He's a, he's a great defensive player, but uh, you could probably throw in that a couple of extra ways, including maybe a Sunday Detch that uh, wasn't even in the last three nominated when it was all said and done. But you, you are pretty right. And Trevor Gleeson, finally, he's got a... Absolutely. He's already got a Coach of the Year award, but not while he was at Perth, which is remarkable considering he's won all those championships. So uh, he goes with... So uh, he gets one to add with the one he has from when he was uh, a coach in Townsville. 
So the All-NBL first team, uh, by the way, if you, if you weren't aware of who the award winners were, the MVP was Bryce Cotton, uh, the Rookie of the Year was Josh Giddy. the best sixth man was Joe Lawala-Chul from Melbourne United, beat uh, teammate uh, in Scotty Hobson and Kyle Adnam from the South East Melbourne Phoenix. The fans' MVP was Bryce Cotton as well, the best defensive player was Justin Simon from the Hawks, the most improved Sam Froling from the Hawks as well. The All-NBL first and second teams are always interesting, Cam Luke, uh, Bryce Cotton, Nathan Sobey, Tyler Harvey, John Mooney, Jock Landale. It's a very, very impressive uh, fivesome. Who who would be the most stiff not to be in that, do you think? It is interesting. The first two NBL, all NBL first and second teams, the first they almost wrote themselves. I reckon yep. though Mitch McCarron, uh, Tyler Harvey was great towards the end of the year and that great Illawarra story. So in the end, it was probably too hard to keep him out. But I, I will say that three weeks ago, I had Mitch McCarron in that first team instead of Tyler Harvey. Now, Tyler Harvey's end to the year where uh, he put up some huge points to be able to get the Hawks home. Yep. Um, in the end, was uh, almost undeniable. But three weeks ago, I think Mitch McCarron would have been the first sub into All-NBL first team. He's somewhat overrated when you've got Jock Landale, who, uh, and for people who watched the game three on Saturday, uh, Tuesday night rather, in Sydney, we know how dominant he is. Um, you got Chris Golding, of course, who is in that boomer squad and has been to the Olympics before. But really, when it's all said and done, Mitch McCarron, the way that he plays his basketball is a huge reason as to why uh, they are so good, Melbourne United. But uh, he would have been probably the one. But it was almost remarkably unanimous where it was kind of hard not to have a situation where we could find an argument to beat those first five. Yeah, and I love the fact that uh, a guy in, in Finn Delaney, who was one of the most improved nominees, finds himself in the All-NBL second team as well. I thought his teammate Ty Webster might have been a chance, but he did miss a lot at various parts of the season. But the numbers he put up when he was playing were, were really impressive. Casper um, Ware, I, I, I hadn't factored him into my calculations for all NBL honours, but there he is in the All NBL second team with Chris Golding, Mitch McCarron, Mitch Creek, uh, and Finn Delaney. Yeah, Finn Delaney, uh, as you mentioned, and a finalist for the most improved, and he went from a good player to an absolute elite player. Yeah. And, and very often, when we talk the most improved, and we're talking about you know the guy who won it, uh, went from obviously a rookie last year to that next step in, in Sam Froling, Geordie Hunter, the other guy. Uh, he got opportunities this year with Xavier Cooks being injured and took them with both hands. But Finn Delaney, yeah, good player, into great player, and no doubt bigger and better things to come. And you mentioned Ty Webster, and you hit it right on the head there. The fact that he dismissed too much basketball, he got injured too much, and in the end, um, it's very hard to be considered for these All-NBL teams because consistency is something as well, and consistency from Casper Ware, who, of course, Sydney, uh, I don't think... I don't think necessarily had his best NBL season, Casper Ware, and I think people lose sight of that because he is an absolute star. Mm. So I don't think it's his best year in the NBL, but in saying that, it's his best in the NBL is, is, is MVP candidate and All-NBL first team. So uh, I, I, I think that second team, Josh Giddy's another guy who uh, could have laid some claims as well, but I reckon the second team is pretty much on the money also, which isn't always easy, unlike the first team. Daniel Johnson uh, stiff, I reckon. Daniel Johnson stiff. He, he he was, when it comes down to it, Finn Delaney probably carried more of a load uh, for Adelaide, and they were just too bad later in the year as well. Once yep. Josh Giddy went out, but look, Daniel Johnson's been a star, of course. When it comes to all NBL first teams and and uh, the uh, accolades that you can receive in this great league, Daniel Johnson's got thousands of them, and he will continue to pile them up. So you no doubt, again, 
another conversation. I reckon there's probably a lot more conjecture around the second team than there is about the first issue. NBL, uh, NBL finals. So they start tomorrow night. Melbourne United, the best team of the year, only lost eight games for it. Perth Wildcats, and the reason why Trevor Gleeson is the coach of the year for anyone who wants to know is because four out of their, I think it's four out of their starting five from the team that won the title last year at the Perth Wildcats aren't going to be in this game. Three of them haven't been there all year, uh, but they're still in, uh, I think it's their ninth final, a grand final series in the past 12 years the Perth Wildcats. So no Tariko White, no Nick Kay, no Mason Plumley uh, from the team last year, and now no Bryce Cotton, yet they still find a way to win, uh, and that is why he's the coach of the year. So the best team of the postseason over the last decade or more comes up against the best team of the regular season this year. Uh, it is the right matchup, 1v2. Oh, no doubt, cannot wait for it. And you mentioned all those Perth Wildcats uh, players as well. That's a lot of the reason as to why I think, and I'll put my hand up, I didn't think they'd make the four this no, year. No, me neither. I wasn't quite sure that they would be able to do it. There's a lot of people who, who wrote them off as a playoff chance. Next thing you know, they're rolling off 10 in a row. They win the NBL Cup, and we're sitting here going, oh, okay, we've, 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 we've done this again. So the situation in the Perth Wildcats camp is that they've gone from a team that people weren't overly certain were going to be able to get rolling at any point to probably championship favourites at some point in the year, although Melbourne have been impressive out the gate mm. uh, and they've been a two clear standout. Uh, and now to this where I thought they would still beat the Hawks, even without Bryce Cotton, but it wasn't going to be easy to do. And it wasn't easy to do, but they're banged up. Mitch Norton has that hip concern. And you see, you know, Mooney, all NBL first team being great, but hasn't quite been able to get to his same lofty heights without Bryce Cotton taking... Uh, some of the defensive pressure. But they're there and they have a little bit of a different situation this year where they have the first two home games yeah. due to the uh, coronavirus restrictions. And, you know, for people who might not be aware, it's, all, it's normally um, alternate home games, one, three, and five for the higher-ranked team and two and four for the lower-ranked team. But that can't happen this year because, of course, Mark McGowan makes you do a two-week quarantine when you return to Western Australia. So they couldn't have game one in Melbourne and do it that way. So... Uh, they've got the first two, which gives them an advantage. If they're able to get two wins, then Melbourne have to put three in a row down to be able to steal the championship. So Melbourne will be... Uh, if, if, I think if they get out of Perth with the sweep, uh, with a uh, sweep Perth, well, that gives them a huge opportunity. But Melbourne, if they're able to split it and come home 1-1, knowing that Perth have to win two in Melbourne, it's almost impossible. Uh, I'm with you on that. So who's winning in how many games and the MVP? I think Melbourne will win in four. I think Perth can get one of these games, but I think they're too talented, Melbourne. I was in Sydney on, on Tuesday night to, to watch that game, and even when they found themselves 19 points down to a, a very good South East Melbourne Phoenix team who should be incredibly proud of, of the season to be able to get into the playoffs in their second year. Yep. But they just didn't panic. They trusted their team. They trusted their process, and they trusted you know the superstars they have on it. And I just think they're going to be too strong Four games to one. I think if they split, split as I said, they'll come back here and should be able to win a couple straight up into Melbourne. And I think the MVP... I think Jock Landale is incredible. He'll be in the NBA next year. Chris Golding's almost the most important player because everything feeds off him. But I mentioned him earlier. I think Mitch McCann will be the MVP. Uh, I think his consistency over the series, his ability to be able to play both ends at the highest level means that he will be the guy who will be the MVP. So I think it'll be... 
Uh, Melbourne is champions, and Mitch McCarron is the most valuable player. Yeah, he, what he provides in almost every statistical category, it just cannot be underestimated. I think that's a great nomination. He was actually the United Live Player of the Year, and uh, you will hear this uh, game one on United Live as well. Just check the SEN app, and you'll be able to click on that. Um, I'm going to go United in four, and I, 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 I really do toy with the idea of Scotty Hobson being the MVP coming off the bench, but I think it'll be Jock Landale. So uh, on with you. They'll do it in four, and I think it'll be Jock Landale, the MVP. Did you have a look at the Boomers squad today, Cam Luke? Um, 19 I, I, now, I the squad. Have, I did have a look at the Boomers squad. Interesting. Such a, such a, yet again, such a tough situation for, for so many where uh, I think there's an informal squad getting together next week, and then there's players still in the NBL. Um, I think all the names we expected to be in the squad are still in the squad. It's obviously going to be very hard. You see, of course, Josh Giddy and Josh Green, two of the younger members. Josh Green coming in his first year at the of the Dallas Mavericks, and then of course uh, Josh Giddy doing his thing uh, for Adelaide. So it is good to see those guys at least go to camp. I'm not not 100 sold on either of those guys actually making the team at the end of it, but I do think that. Um, they are two players that really, when you when you look at it, they're going to be a cornerstone of, of the Boomers franchises in uh, you know the next decade, maybe even longer. I think uh, Mitch McCarron, obviously out of the team now. You know, Ding Adele, that's not at all surprising considering the disappointing year he had. Uh, McDowell White probably just probably won Olympics off. He hasn't yep. played consistently a great deal until he got going to the breakers, and it was a tough situation. He played really well. Will Magne is an interesting one because he hasn't set the world on fire. You know, two months ago, it was all about, oh, whoever gets Magna is probably going to win a championship. Well, he's got an opportunity to prove some doubt is wrong here. Uh, Thornmaker and, and Mitch Dort have been cut as well. So uh, I think when it comes to the Boomer squad, essentially everyone we thought was going to be in there is in there. And then we'll just see what happens with uh, with Brian Gorgian and the, and the squad going forward. And when I think they get it down to 14 or 15 after all that day towards Vegas. So the squad, Aaron Baines, Ryan Brokoff, Xavier Cooks, Mitch Creek, Matthew Delvadova, Dante Exum, Josh Giddy, Chris Golding, Josh Green, Isaac Humphreys, Joe Ingalls, Nick Kay, Jock Landau, Paddy Mills, Brock Modem, Duop Reith, Ben Simmons, Nathan Sobey, Matisse Thibel, Ben Simmons' teammate, uh, the 76ers, our naturalised player. Um, Bryce Cotton, his paperwork hasn't gone through to the point it needs to for him to be uh, even considered as the naturalised player. So that argument we've been having all year, should Bryce Cotton be picked over Matisse Thibel, is null and void now. But um, for those who don't know much about Brock Modem and Duop Reith, uh, just for those who haven't heard those names before, uh, the other guys they'll know from the NBL and the NBA. So Brock Modem's a guy who spent a little bit of time here in Australia. He's currently over in Europe and he is absolutely... Absolutely on fire. Brock, Brock Modem will make the will make the will make the team. I'd be very very yep. surprised if if he actually doesn't. He's a guy who continues to put up pretty big numbers in Europe. He has for a little while, and he, it, look at the moment playing in Turkey, he is absolutely just going to work right now. We're of course heading towards the playoffs up there. I think he had um, only about a month ago. He's having twenty six, twenty seven points in games. So he's a left hander who is extremely very tough, very hard, tough to beat. Um, Durant Reese as another one being able to apply his work overseas it's not a it's, I'm just not 100% certain he's going to be able to force his way into the 12 he's obviously mm. a little bit younger than um, some of the other guys I'm just trying to get uh, his stats up from the last couple of weeks because he has had some big games but his consistency hasn't exactly been there the entire time when it comes to being able to force his way in uh, in that situation now he's a, he's a guy who um 
uh, West Australian born, and he's a guy that a lot of I think Perth had a real crack at him to try and get him into the NBL a couple of years ago, and haven't been able to do it just yet. But I, I would say he's one of those guys, probably a little more experienced. Well, he's a bit more experienced than where Josh Giddy is and where um, Josh Green is. But also, we'll get a taste of that Boomer squad going forward, where I think you can sort of say, hey, you know what? This guy's a, an opportunity yep. and a, a big chance of, to wear the green and gold. I just don't think it's going to be this year, but uh, he's a guy that I think gets a, gets an opportunity to get exposed to this level. And, and who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's in an opportunity to be able to stand up and, and force his way in like Nick Cade did for that World Championship you know, a couple of weeks ago. In a playoff a couple of weeks ago, in fact, he had 17 points. He can shoot the three ball as well, which uh, which always helps. Hey, um, Ryan Brokoff, so we were all, it seems like an, an injury did cruel his time here as it, as mm-hmm. it sort of crueled um, part of his season in America. We were all waiting, weren't we? Uh, especially during the, the final series going, okay, this will be the game where they'll run plays for Ryan Brokoff. We'll see what it's all about. A 40% shooter in the NBA in his time uh, with, the, with the Dallas Mavericks, 40%, a three-point shooter, I should say. It never quite happened. There were one or two games during the regular season where he was able to put up numbers. We never really saw it. And, and in fairness to him, they never really ran much for him. Is his position, he would have been a lock at the start of the year for this boomer squad. Is his position in a bit of jeopardy now, given he missed a lot of basketball? And then when he did play this year, he wasn't probably able to have the impact we were all thinking he would. It's going to be very hard. You're right. He's a guy that 12 months ago, we thought was he's a lock for the boomers. He's a guy who's played particularly well for the Boomers in the past. And we're talking about big World Cups and and Olympic Games. He's a guy who is able to stretch the floor, in particular, the perfect foil to be out there when Ben Simmons, if he can play uh, at the Olympics, obviously, after after the NBA NBA season. He he wasn't great. It's a much different system. It's an interesting conversation because do you go off the Ryan Brockhoff, who has been able to stand up and deliver for the Boomers in the past, or... Do you go towards players who've been playing well in competitions around the world, including here in the NBL? You meant he had he essentially had 15 months off. There was COVID, and then he was going to go to the NBA bubble, but there his his, his wife um, was unwell yeah. and uh, an underlying health issue that uh, is is heavily susceptible susceptible to having or being involved with COVID. So he chose not to go, which is 100 the the smart and right decision to make. Yeah. So he hadn't played for such a long time. He got here. He started to get going a little bit. He got hurt, as you mentioned. It's one of the tough. It's one of the really tough conversations. Do you back him in to do what we know he's done in the past, or do you leave him out because his last twelve months hasn't exactly been what we know he can do? And I guess that's, you know, if you look at say at Chris Golding, in that situation, had a pretty pretty good NBL year. In fact, a really good NBL year. Mm. Continues to play well. Do you then go for Chris Golding? And I guess that's what camp is going to be four for Brian Gorgian to roll the ball down and say, all right, all right, you haven't been in grad form, but here's an opportunity now to, to stand up and show us what you can do. Because in the green and gold, and in a lot of colours around the world over the last you know, five, six years, he has been an absolute star. Absolutely. Before we let you go, Cam Luke, Aussies in action in the NBA finals Ooh. today. And, geez, it wasn't a good day for us. I was speaking to one, my best mate today, and uh, it was uh, early on in about the third quarter, I think, and 76ers were up uh, at home to the tune of around 23 points. And I said, geez, they've, they've got this one locked away to go 3-2 up. 
Well, only two players scored field goals for him in the second half, uh, and that was Seth Curry and uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, ben Simmons went very, very cold, was I think 4 of 14 for his free throw shooting. I think he scored 22 of 66 now uh, at the stripe, and, and they were done over by Atlanta, 109 to 106, and Utah just weren't able to hang with the LA Clippers, who without Kawhi Leonard, I thought Utah might have been able to get a win there. Um Philadelphia, though, is is the biggest story, and and they're coming for Ben Simmons, mate. He looked real. I've never I've never had a go at Ben Simmons ever when everybody else has, but he looked really passive in that game. He looked really passive. Yeah. He, he doesn't want to go to the foul line. That's that's why the numbers you just spoke of are the reasons that strips away the ability to be confident. And that's exactly what's happening with Ben Simmons right now. Up, I think it was twenty three, or it might have even been twenty six. And this thing's over. They're playing at home, and hey, this thing's done. Then all of a sudden, Trey Young starts going to work, and this Atlanta team that were horrible to start the year and then sacked their coach and brought in Nate McMillan, which at the time was widely criticised for the way that the Atlanta Hawks did it. Well, they're one win away. They are one win away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's a home game that they do get. It's a remarkable turnaround in any league around the world, in particular when you've got a superstar like Joel Embiid and a almost superstar in Ben Simmons. And I say almost superstar because of his inability to be able to hit from 15 foot at the foul line. And when you come to, and, we, and for the hardcore basketball fans, they'll remember Hacker Shack, where opposing coaches would just, would just hack Shaquille O'Neal, one of the most dominant players in the history of the game, to sit into the foul line because he couldn't hit it. That's where we are with Ben Simmons. Mm. And our ability to discuss at different times his, his, his lack of a jump shot is now turned into a lack of a foul shot. And, and lack of it, aggression it, it at times too, though, Cam. Lack yeah, of aggression at you, the rim. If you don't want to go to the foul line, you won't be aggressive because if you would be aggressive and you get deep inside the paint, good chance you're going to force fouls on the opposition player. Then you have to go to the foul line and it just keeps chipping away. It's, it's like quicksand as well. You're stuck in quicksand. The harder you struggle, the, the quicker you, you do seem to drown in it. So that's exactly where Ben Simmons is at, at the foul line. And now Atlanta go back. We, it's going to need a, a monster effort from one of these 76ers stars. And it's going to have to be Embiid because I just can't see Ben Simmons' foul line issues reversing in that trip from Philadelphia to Atlanta. At the other side, no Kawhi Leonard you mentioned, who with that knee injury that he sustained in game four... Could be out longer. They go to Utah. I think he'll be out the series from, from all reports. Yep. Paul George was huge today. He was... Massive, which has been a criticism of him in playoffs, hasn't it? Been a criticism of his in playoffs. In recent times, no doubt, he used to be really good in playoffs against Indiana, and that Indiana team was going up against Miami and LeBron yep. James, and, yep. and Paul George really announced himself there. But his, his recent playoff form has been really bad. He was huge today. I think it was thirty-seven points, sixteen rebounds, and now the Clippers get to go home to to finish that series up, considering they trailed two to nothing to start this series. This is. Remarkable. We've seen Kevin Durant do things yesterday that, in fact, he's probably the only man on the planet right now who can do it. We also saw Giannis Antetokounmpo, the two-time MVP, um, again, criticised for some of that work in the playoffs and and drop an absolute gimme late. So this playoff run is not... And on that, Chris Paul has entered into the COVID protocol uh, with the Phoenix Suns, of course, being in a situation where they are already through to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2010. And, and Chris Paul's gone into the COVID protocol. Now, what exactly that means, I can't tell you, because he's vaccinated. And they expect to stay, which was around 10 to 12 days in the NBA season, to be a little bit shorter if you've, in fact, been vaccinated. But there has been 
a little bit of, um, I guess, uncertainty about what that all means in this situation with the vaccination already done. So yep. Phoenix will be hoping like hell that you have a situation where Utah and the Clippers go to seven yes, games. Yes. That gives them another four or five, maybe another six. So uh, it's all happening in the NBA right now. As well, it should because it is the best part of the year. Absolutely. Uh, it all hinges on Chris Paul for the Suns, who... Um, and we're, we're, we're running out of time, but it all does hinge on Chris Paul for the Suns. I think that the Nets are very vulnerable because of the, 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 the brittleness of Durant, the brittleness of Harden, and mentally with Harden in playoffs has not been a good space for him. Kyrie, injuries, where's his head at, all that. So if, if Phoenix can stay fit and cohesive, then I think they're, they're the team to beat. But it's a long way to go yet, Cam, and and a heap of fun is going to be had uh, as we see it get to the line, almost limping to the line at the minute. But uh, it's been fantastic so far. Mate, you do me a favour every time. I appreciate it. Great to chat. Anytime, mate. We'll talk soon. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.